This guy can talk, but he also loves to listen. This is The Golden Mean with Michael Golden. So, uh, polar bears and the Arctic yeah. ice sheet and climate change and and all these things that I see and read about and mostly watch on television but don't understand to a great degree. I'm going to try to understand better. And uh, for listeners, I'm going to try to break it down for you because I have a special guest, someone I'm really close to, Ben Cohen. He's the GIS technician working in the LADRA lab at the Polar Science Center. And this is in the Applied Physics Lab at the University of Washington. Um, so, I, I, Ben, first of all, I've been wanting to do this a long time. I, I've been reading a bit about your work. Thank you for taking the time to tell everybody about what you guys are working on in Washington. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I hope I can share some interesting stuff for your listeners. So. I, I want to hear this in your words first. I've been reading all about it, but t t tell me about what you do at, at the Polar Science Center when it, and how it relates to polar bears and, and, and the Arctic ice sheets, and, and basically these things are melting. Talk about what you guys do and the consequences you're looking for as a result. Well, that's a good question. At the Polar Science Center, in a, in a broad sense, uh, the Polar Science Center is a subsidiary of the applied physics lab at the University of Washington, like you mentioned, and at the Polar Science Center, there are a bunch of scientists from all types of disciplines working to understand the ice-covered regions of the world and maybe even other planets when the technology uh, is suitable for that type of thing. And the reason we do that is because ice plays a role and the ice-covered regions have a huge diversity of animals, of effects on the topology of the regions that the ice affects, and, and so on. And we can learn a lot about animals and climate change by studying those things. Uh, specifically, I do what is called GIS analysis, and that is a kind of fancy way of saying mapping and data analysis. We can take uh, data of many different types from all different types of sources, whether it be satellites, imagery, field work, um, people writing papers, you know, the, the source is, uh, is varied, but what we can do with that data is look at it in a spatial sense and see how the data we're looking at looks in uh, on a map or uh, in a more accessible way. And so I will take data and uh, process it and create a map that will help us understand, okay, what's the effect of this field work? What's the uh, satellite imagery telling us? And what we're trying to get from those analyses, uh, it, it varies. But in a broad sense, we can see how these ice-covered regions are changing from year to year and what those changes mean for the animals that live there and for uh, our environment as a whole, what lessons we can learn from these smaller regions and smaller projects. And basically for folks who don't, you know, who've been living under a rock, but the, the Arctic, the, the ice is melting and, and it's, it's verifiable and, and quantifiable uh, over the last couple of decades. And this is really interesting. The, the polar bears, the, 
they're they're an early an impact of this, but and they're also an indicator, right? I mean, you guys are studying polar bears, and to the extent that the ice is melting, it changes th- their lives. They're now a vulnerable population, bordering on being endangered. Talk about how the Arctic uh, ice caps are melting. At what you what what you can tell in your observation of polar bears and why it matters for the rest of the world. The, you know, the albedo effect. I, re- I read about that, which is fascinating. Well, yeah, there's no question that the ice uh, coverage is declining in much of the world, and that has a, dis- a, a real effect on the animals that live there, especially polar bears, which are the main species that my lab studies. Um, polar bears use sea ice to hunt. Uh, and to rest and to uh, walk around on and just are the sea ice is a uh, facilitator of the polar bear's lifestyle and when the ice decreases they have less ability to find food they use the ice as hunting platforms to catch seals Uh, they have to swim more often than they normally would which expends more energy and they just generally have less space to Uh, walk around and and have cubs and so on. Um, So what we can do is look at the uh, satellite imagery of those sea ice conditions and make predictions about what's going to be happening to the polar bear populations in the future. You know, a, a, um, a prediction of a decrease in sea ice has rippling effects on the polar bear's lifestyle. A decrease in sea ice could mean they could catch less food, which means they could catch a fewer or, or less food for their young, which means they have less young. And so the sea ice is a direct indicator of the health of the polar bear populations. And we're doing what we can to understand what we can do to better uh, quantify those uh, sea ice statistics and link it with biological and ecological observation of those polar bears. And one of the measurements, right, is you you talked about how they live. You you guys have done observation in Baffin Bay in in Greenland. And basically, don't your measurements show that over the years, these polar bears spend far more time on Baffin Bay on land because of what's happening and, and there's just it. It's just like it's like looking in a mirror that you can't hide from from those facts, right? That's an indicator. Well, yeah, the the facts are kind of indisputable in that way. The polar bears are forced to change their lifestyle based on the sea ice, and you know you can argue back and forth whether or not changing sea ice things are sea ice conditions are a good thing. Uh, some people prefer there to be less ice for, you know, shipping things around the world and say that's a good thing. But from an ecological perspective and where we come from, declining sea ice is really dangerous and has a direct effect on the lifestyle of these bears. Like you're saying, bears are spending more time on land. They um, are, have, they're able to have fewer cubs and hopefully we can do some work and I can do some work to uh, better understand how their lifestyle is being affected. And when it comes to human beings and, and climate change and, and specifically the, the melting caps, 
the, isn't the albedo effect? It's sort of like it, it's like a vicious cycle that the the less the less of the of white caps there are, the more the more that we absorb the heat. It's like there aren't. It's like uh, uh, I saw a reference where it's sort of like having a white car versus a black car in the middle of a hundred and twenty degree, you know, day in the desert. That that. The, the fewer the fewer caps you have like that that are absorbing heat, the more the planet has to absorb it. Is that accurate? Like, talk about that for a minute. Well, honestly, I can't uh, add a lot to that that topic here. I um, don't know as much as I'd like to about that effect. And the sea ice conditions definitely have a far-reaching impact, not just on the Arctic, but on the rest of the world. And uh, that's something I'm trying to learn more about with my time at the lab, and uh, it's a great question. So I'm, I'm sorry I can't add more to that right now. So how did you get into this, Ben, in the first place? I mean, I, I know you 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 studied uh, um, Earth and space sciences when, when you were a student at the University of Washington. Um, is that how you got into this? Is that, I mean, this specific area of the Polar Science Center and, and, and studying the polar bears and the caps? Well... In, in a sense, yes, it, it was a product of the um, Earth and Space Science studies that I did at the university. Um, uh, another product was, or another reason I got into this field of work is um, kind of by luck. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do after school and uh, kind of in that limbo period uh, that I think a lot of seniors face of not knowing exactly what's next and how to bridge the gap between school and some more professional work. I was looking around at what the university offered in terms of symposiums and people presenting their research and uh, got recommended to uh, go to a symposium led by uh, Kristen Lydra and Harry Stern. Uh, Kristen Lydra is the principal investigator I work under now and Harry Stern is a colleague of ours at the Polish Science Center. And so I went to their symposium and was fascinated by the research they were presenting and approached them after the uh, presentation was finished, asked if they had space in their lab, and uh, kind of blossomed from there. I was not in school anticipating that I would study polar bears or the Arctic. I really didn't even know that people were doing field work in these areas, and to learn more about the polar science that people are doing in our lab and around the world has been amazing. And uh, everything that has come from this position has been uh, a, a real blessing. I've been fortunate to work with people who are passionate about what they do, who are the top uh, individuals in terms of their knowledge base and experience and just years of dedication to the, the, their species of interest or areas of interest. And uh, it's been great. And I would encourage anybody who is studying earth and space science or any type of environmental science to uh, explore the research and uh, work being done at the, their university or academic institution to see if they can get involved somehow. Let, let me ask you a political question. I mean, it's about policy, okay. but 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 when it comes to climate change, you know, obviously we're in the middle uh, of a presidential election where the Green New Deal has been a 
subject of debate and even disagreement, I think, still uh, recently of the of the two remaining candidates, the two candidates who were remaining. You know, I'm I'm 53 years old. You're 24 years old. That's right. Your your generation. I think about it all the time. That that you know, as as President Obama called it before he was president, the, the fierce urgency of now. And with climate change, it's it, it, it that that issue tops them all. When you see politicians arguing about this, but not taking the kinds of really really serious measures that are in in accordance with with the warnings. Um, I don't mean to ask you too loaded a question, but what's your opinion about the way our politicians are handling? this problem that's bearing down on us and matters more for young people than for older people. Well, that's a great point that uh, the generation I'm a part of is kind of going to be the recipient of a lot of the decisions we make now. And um, I I don't know what the right answer is. It's It's a big question with so many different variables. But what I do know is that the decisions we do make now will have lasting effects uh, in the decades or centuries to come. And one thing about working at the Fuller Science Center is that you're kind of confronted with those um, realities each day. And uh, sometimes it can be disheartening to know that um, there are animals whose lives are being affected by the changing environment and changing qualities of our climate. But what brings me hope is being able to work with such passionate people about those things. Um, I, what I'd like to see from politicians is the same urgency towards climate change that we have on other issues. And I don't know what the way to do that is. Uh, Maybe, maybe you've got some, (laughs) some hidden secrets about how to uh, get people excited about these things. But what I am excited about as part of the Polar Science Center is hopefully using my position and my expertise of making maps and using data to uh, illustrate larger topics that we can communicate some of the um, some of the results that we're getting and show people that it is a real issue that. Um, doesn't just affect us, affects animals, affects the, the world we live in, affects the, uh, the, the entirety of the planet. So that, that's a great question, and um, I, I just am looking ahead with cautious optimism, I suppose. You, you mentioned uh, in the opening um, about what you, you were describing, what you're doing, and then you added, and beyond, perhaps, space. Do you, is that, is that hint a little teaser for fun or do you guys do stuff? I mean, look, you, you, you work with satellites, I I think already, but are you, are you talking about something broader? You're talking about life on another planet. Uh, or is that just, is that something that you guys all keep your minds open to and, you know, hope one day you'll be able to study that too? Well, I can only speak from my, uh, knowledge and, and areas of expertise. But what's so cool about GIS, satellite imagery, and the like is that it's not just applicable to Earth, but if you have data type or data sources from other planets or uh, any, any, any type of data that you can imagine, we can use GIS and the programs and software I use 
to help us understand and visualize those data sources. So potentially, if we were to get data from Mars on their uh, ice caps, or uh, I, I don't know if that's a reality right now. I, I, I guess I shouldn't talk about things I don't fully understand, but there are certainly other planets and other regions of space that are ice covered. And uh, I don't know if anyone in the Polish Science Center is currently working on those things, but I can definitely see how the expertise of the Polar Science Center could be applied to something exciting like other planets or uh, something that I'm curious about is the deep ocean. How can we use GIS and the like to understand that sort of unexplored uh, region of our planet? So there's definitely applications of GIS and um, the like that we haven't fully explored yet. I, I love I love how you're just fascinated with all this stuff. I, I think I didn't I don't I didn't mention up front that Ben Ben Cohen is my first of all he's my he's my cousin. So when I said I, I'm close, he's one of my favorite people, and uh, and and uh, and I love his parents who are my cousins, and his 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 dad one of my heroes, um, and and. Ben for a long time is someone we've described as a Renaissance man. In fact, I think he won an I think he won an award. Like when you were in seventh grade, the whole school called you Renaissance man. I'm, I actually I know it. I was there for the speech. <laughs> I was there for the speech. So now I get to brag about my cousin a little bit. He 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 does improv still. I believe he did Second City for many many years ago in Chicago, and he's performed in different cities and states while he was in college. Um, just you're interested in so many things. It makes me wonder, as I think about your young career at the Polar Science Center, uh, uh, just one more question here. Tell me about what's the most interesting or inspiring experience or moment you've had working there, some aha moment or, or a moment of community with your colleagues where, you know, you could feel it, you could feel it and knew you were in the right place. Well, something that I like about the Polar Science Center specifically and the LIDRA Lab is working with women in the sciences. Um, Kristen is a preeminent expert on the Arctic. I mean, she's she is. done field work for, for years and years. Um, and a lot of the students in my lab are women who are working on very fascinating research and just being able to see that the, uh, the, the diversity of people interested in polar science or ecology, biology, um, just life science in general has been a real inspiration and uh, being a part of the lab where people are so dedicated to what they do, spend days and weeks and months preparing for projects and uh, executing on them and then writing papers and uh, applying for grants. It's what, what helps me kind of have a more positive attitude about some of the challenges we face moving forward is that on a human level, people are passionate, inspired, motivated, and dedicated to the sciences, environmental science, and beyond, I'm sure, um, which helps me on a day-to-day -day basis uh, just because I always love talking to them and seeing what new research they're a part of, learning more about different species and environments, 
and then kind of having them be the wind in my sails to look ahead and say like, yeah, I, this is something we can work and continue to understand decades into the future. And hopefully one day I will be some of the, one, one of the people leading these uh, field seasons or um, getting into the field. And it just makes me excited to see what's next for me and uh, hopefully to continue to boost up, you know, uh, women in the sciences, people, uh, undergraduates, graduate students, and even faculty who've been at the university for, for years and years. It's just a diversity of people who are uh, excited about the sciences that makes me feel so good about working in the lab. Perfect place to leave it. That's a wonderful thing to hear. I love your passion. I love the fact that you, the, the social piece of this where you want to connect and empower, connect with other people and empower them. And I'm just so proud of you because I love you. Ben Cohen. Ben Cohen, I'll make this the tag, the GIS technician working in the LADRA lab uh, at the University of Washington's Polar Science Center. Thank you for doing this. It was really fun. I'm just so proud of you, Ben, and I appreciate you talking to everybody about your passion. Well, love you too, cuz. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I just appreciate being on, so thanks a lot. My pleasure. Stay out, stay safe out there in Seattle. Hunker down and, you know. <laughs> Will do. Keep... Uh, I, I appreciate it, and sending my best wishes out to everybody who's been uh, affected by the, uh, the the virus and everything these past couple months. Um, I, I hope we can all get through it and be stronger on the other side. So uh, my best wishes to everybody. Amen. Well said. Ben Cohen, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon on The Golden Mean. <laughs>